Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we start this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in Christ we have forgiveness of sins. We have eternal life. We have access to you. We have the privilege to talk to you and seek your help throughout all of life's troubles and trials. And we thank you that we also in Christ have the comfort of the Holy Spirit to uh, abide with us and encourage us and guide us and strengthen us in doing what is right. And uh, we pray this morning as we look at your word that you would encourage our hearts about your power and though we are weak that you are strong and that you would Help us to understand what you have written, uh, that it would be for our benefit and for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so I told you uh, a few weeks ago, um, and I, th I think I've used this more than once, that uh, uh, a great gift that I received a number of years ago as a Christmas present was a uh, uh, Commodore 64 computer that looked like this. Um, and uh, that was, as I shared with you, a gift that had a uh, very significant impact on my life because uh, a part of what I do now is working with computers and supporting computers. And certainly those early days of having that computer was a foundational experience to prepare me for that. Um, but as much as I remember about the computer that I got and all the things that I did with it, um, there's something I don't remember really well about it. And it's what box it came in. Right? Um, you know, we get uh, all kinds of presents. You, you may do similar things at uh, Christmas time. You get all kinds of presents that come from Amazon or whatever. Many times you don't even unbox them, you just simply wrap them in that Amazon box that they came in, right? Um, the container wasn't the gift, wasn't the significant part of the gift, right? A container is just a means of bringing us something good. And that actually is going to be the focus of what we look at in 2 Corinthians today in chapter 4. We are containers. We are messengers for the gospel. We are not what is significant. It is God and the work he does in Christ, and we simply carry this message, and we are weak, feeble messengers and containers for this message, if you will, as Paul talks about it here in chapter 4. And if we build up our own significance, we're actually taking away from or blinding people to the significance of the message. So as we look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 12, we're going to see today how God's might is displayed through human weakness. So let's go ahead and read that whole passage since it's fairly short. And then dive in. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. 
always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. So as we think about God's might displayed through human weakness this morning, we're going to see how he says here right in verse 7 that God's power is displayed through weakness. God's power is displayed through weakness. Now he mentions this treasure, this precious message that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. Now Paul says this treasure basically in reference to what he's been talking about previously. So if you were here last week, we talked about in section uh, 1 through 6 above, he ends up by talking about the light that shall shine out of darkness. And the one uh, God is the one who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is this gospel message that Paul has and his companions are involved in sharing and taking around uh, to share this message. And he's saying we have this precious message. It is a treasure. It is uh, the light of the gospel, the, the light that shows us uh, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is this gospel light that shows us that we are sinners, that we are um, in need of salvation and calls us to repent and receive eternal life in Jesus Christ. So this is a very precious message that Paul is talking about here that he has the privilege of carrying around and taking around. And yet he points out here that they are basically powerless messengers. He says in, in verse 7 that they are earthen vessels. So what does that mean, earthen vessels? If we were to translate that, both under, understanding the time in which Paul was writing, what he's saying here is they are like clay pots or jars of clay, if you will. Something made of the earth, dirt, and formed into a vessel, something that holds something else. Paul is saying that they are basically basic containers, and, and the idea of these earthen vessels or these clay pots is that they were the common everyday vessels that people used because they were cheap and easy to make, abundantly available because you're just using dirt, right? So it is a common, cheap, and also because of that, they are also temporary. They're not necessarily very strong or sturdy or uh, th that which is going to last. And uh, I believe an idea here as well is that it is basic. It's simple. It's not ornate. It's not something beautiful that you just love to look at. Paul is pointing out that he and his uh, apostles Apostle uh, teammates here, the, the teammates going around with him in ministry, they are like clay pots. They are taking this glorious message of Jesus Christ and sharing that with the world, but they are not what is glorious and wonderful. They're just basic 
tools in God's uh, system of carrying out his message. They are instruments. They are channels, if you will. They are the means through which this message is being communicated, but there's nothing extraordinary or extra valuable or special about them. And this is a great lesson for us to remember as well. We as Christians, if you know Jesus Christ, you are a messenger, you're not an apostle, um, but we are all called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We represent Jesus Christ. If you think about the concept of an ambassador, ambassador is someone who goes to a foreign country representing his home or her home country uh, to a foreign people. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ, every one of us. We are from and going to heaven. If we know Jesus Christ, that's ultimately our home. But yet he's left us here to be his representatives. We represent him. We all have that responsibility. But it's important to remember, as Paul is drawing attention to here, the container or the messenger is not the special one. It's not the focus. The focus is the message. The, the one who has sent him is the one who is glorious. And Paul is pointing out that they are weak and powerless. Um, and yet the purpose for all of this is to highlight the power of God. Notice verse 7 again. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that... The surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. So it is so God's power will be seen that Paul mentions they are weak. They are common every day. Nothing special about these vessels. That's all they are. It's just common, ordinary vessels or messengers carrying this message so that... God's glory will be seen so that God's power will be known that it's not that the Apostle Paul is a great preacher or speaker or such a dedicated individual. No, it's so that people would understand God is at work in and through him and it is the glorious message of the gospel that matters. Paul is simply taking that message. He says, it's not from us. The power is not from us. The power to convert lives, for people to come to repentance and uh, turn from their evil ways and trust in Christ and live for him. That's the power of God. Paul is simply the one sharing the message and God is the one who gloriously does the work. And Paul has it right. He understands he is not the one doing that work of transformation. He is not the glorious one. It is God who is glorious. And Paul wants to be properly understood and get out of the way, if you will, so that the glory of God will be seen. Like I told you with my computer, it, it, the box... Who cares about the box, right? We throw the box away when we're done. We joke about how little children sometimes like to play with the boxes after they get a gift, right, instead of the gift. But that's because they're children. They don't understand what the real gift is. But sometimes we make the same mistake too. We think that we're great. We think we're so wonderful when it's actually the truth, the, the gospel message, God himself that's great and glorious. 
We need to put ourselves in our proper place. We are simply messengers or containers carrying this message for God. And we want to be careful not to try to bring glory to ourselves. Now, as, a, as another illustration, uh, I think of uh, treasure, things that are stored in a treasure box. Um, as an example, I, I found this one example that happened back in 1840. Back in 1840 in England, there was a team of men working to repair an, an embankment upon the uh, River Ribble in Cuerdale near Preston in England. But basically, they found a lead box. They found a lead box, and inside of that was one of the biggest hordes of Viking treasure ever found. It was more than 8,600 items that were documented, which included silver coins, various bits of jewelry, and silver ingots. I have a picture here of some of the stuff I think that they show at the British Museum where these things are kept. But uh, the majority of the items were actually from English Viking kingdoms in, in many years past. Some of the treasure was also traced back to other regions, including Scandinavia, Italy, and Byzantium. And eventually the treasure was given to Queen Victoria, and it's now on display at the British Museum. You know what you don't see in the picture? The lead box it came in, right? It's just a container. It's just preserving it. In a similar way, we are preserving the message. We share the message with others. We're just containers. We're just a channel or a conduit, if you will, through which the message is communicated. We are not what is significant. It is the message of God that is significant. Think with me about Fort Knox. Do people care about Fort Knox because of all of the security measures and the vault that all that stuff, that gold and valuables are stored in? No, we know about Fort Knox because of the contents of it, right? The contents are what matters. In the same way, God's power is displayed through human weakness. If we build ourselves up to be too great or make the message about us, we hinder the message. God's power is shown through human weakness. But it's hard to, and I'm not picking just because you didn't say it, it's hard to say amen about these things or be excited because we understand the ramifications, right? We go through hardship, we go through suffering, we go through difficulty, and that is by design so that the glory will be God's. The greatness will be of God. It will be demonstrated that the glory, the treasure, the goodness is God, not us. We're weak human vessels. Now, Paul illustrates this then by talking about some paradoxical situations that he finds himself in as an apostle. Notice with me uh, these four different uh, pairs of words he uses here to describe the kinds of different situations that he runs into and this tension that he feels in ministry that he is weak but yet God works through it and is glorified so what does he say first of all he talks about being pressured but not distressed uh, the wording here in the the NASB is 
We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. The, the idea of affliction there could be pressure or, or difficulty or trouble that comes into our lives. And notice he says there, in every way, there's all kinds of trouble. And he talks about it in chapter 7, verse 5 as well, about how they experienced all kinds of affliction and difficulty and trouble, fighting and fears. He experienced all these kinds of troubles and difficulties, and yet, he says, even though that's true, they are not crushed or distressed or ultimately completely boxed in, unable to do anything for God. That's, that's the point he's making here. In spite of the difficulties, it has not hindered the gospel message. God still works through them and brings people to Christ. If you think with me just on some simple examples, we know. He goes to uh, Philippi. What, what happens? He preaches the gospel and they throw him in jail. So him and Silas and, and any others that were with them, they're singing and praising God. And what happens? There's an earthquake and the jailer is about to kill himself because back in those days, if a jailer was responsible for criminals and they escape, they don't treat the jailers kindly after such things. They usually torture them or kill them. So the jailer is proactively trying to take his own life, and Paul cries out for him to stop, and the man comes in and says, what must I do to be saved? So even though Paul and his companions were afflicted, they experienced trouble when preaching the gospel there, got thrown in jail, the gospel still reached people. That's what Paul's saying. We're afflicted, we experience trouble, and yet... We're not completely boxed in and limited or, or completely crushed. God still uses us and still spreads the gospel. He says also, they are puzzled. They are puzzled, but not despairing. They are puzzled, but not despairing. He says here in verse 8, perplexed, but not despairing. The idea is they're confused or, or they have uncertainty that they face. I think sometimes we, we, uh, we misunderstand what the Christian life should be like. We think if we reach a certain level uh, of walking with God, we'll just know a lot more and it'll just, life will just be easier. The reality isn't that way. God often has us in confusing circumstances that don't make sense, humanly speaking. And that's what Paul's talking about. They are constantly in situations where they are perplexed, they're uncertain, they doubt, they have... Uh, a lack of a knowledge of what to do or how, how to handle certain situations or what's going to come about. And yet, he says, it is not leading them to ultimately despair. They're not hopeless. Even though they may be confused or puzzled at times, they're not ultimately and completely clueless. They, they know some basics of what they're supposed to do, and God leads them along. The point is God continues to use them and use these circumstances even though at times it's confusing and hard to understand. And it would be good for us to understand this is common in how God works in our lives too. Even though we're not apostles, um, we still have these kinds of challenges that God brings to our life for the same kinds of reasons. 
He brings confusing things to drive us to trust him. We, if we knew the way of what everything was going to happen, what was going to transpire in our lives, uh, there'd be f- several problems. One, we'd be terribly worried about some things, um, or we'd be terribly excited about some other things and want to rush ahead to that and skip some other things. Um, but mostly, probably, it would lead to a lot of despair. God leads us along step by step. And we need to trust him. And our lack of knowledge or understanding isn't mean necessarily that something is wrong. That might just be part of God driving us to trust him. Paul says they are puzzled but not despairing. He also says that they were persecuted but not deserted or forsaken, he says here in verse 9. Persecuted but not forsaken. Uh, The word persecuted literally means pursued. And if you've read the book of Acts, you understand just about everywhere that the Apostle Paul went, there were Jewish people that pursued him and tried to cause him trouble or put him to death. If you remember, there was one point in which he went back to Jerusalem, and there were a group of Jews that banded together that they were not going to eat until they had killed Paul. So Paul talks about how they are regularly persecuted, and yet in spite of that, he says they're not deserted by God, they're not abandoned. God never leaves them. God has a purpose in it all, and God is with them. God is taking care of them. As he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. A great reminder for us as well. He also says, uh, number four, that they were punched but not destroyed or stricken or struck down, beaten. And certainly this would be a reference to physical persecution. Not only were they pursued, there were times when God allowed them to fall into the hands of the persecutors. He was physically beaten. Um, At one point in the book, he catalogs a list of all the ways or many of the ways in which he suffered and was beaten for Christ. It's an incredible list of things that he went through for Christ. And yet, he says, even though he's experienced these physical hardships, ultimately, God has not abandoned him. And again, we should remember this as well. Um, We are going to experience pain and difficulty It may not look like the Apostle Paul probably won't look anywhere close to what the Apostle Paul went through, but we are all going to face difficulties. It might be physical things that we go through. It may be that there are people in our lives that pick on us or cause trouble in our lives. Um, you, You know, we don't have the physical persecution, perhaps, like they had in that day, usually in America, but we still do have persecution. We still do have... Uh, disadvantages by being born-again Christians. Uh, If you're like me, I've extended family members who it's difficult to have some relationships with because of where we've stood on different things in our lives, choices we make, and how they know we disagree with them on certain things. And sometimes that's hard. That's that's difficult. And and the ability to have relationships with people like that is, is hindered. And they They have animosity, or sometimes they're talking about you behind your back, right, because of the things you believe. That's a form of persecution. 
understand it's not as grievous, perhaps, as physically being beaten. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are going to experience persecution if you're living a godly life. Paul was experiencing that, and yet, in spite of that, God took care of him and continued to work through him in communicating the gospel message and bringing people to Christ. God will also use us in similar ways. He may bring trials and difficulties in our lives as an opportunity for us to give testimony and glory to him. But Paul also then goes on and talks about the purpose of these things and saying that uh, there is a purpose in this of showing the life of Jesus Christ. So let's look at verses 10 and 11 here. Verse 10 says, Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. He talks here about carrying Uh, the death of Christ. So he talks about always being in this kind of danger. Always, he says, caring about. So he is constantly in danger. And as we understand, we look at the Apostle Paul's life and what he went through in Acts, and what we see there, he has constantly experienced uh, the, 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 the pressures and the persecution that go along with being an apostle. It says he is caring about in his body. The idea of carrying it about is the fact that he's traveling everywhere. He's traveling around, sharing the gospel so that he's carrying along. It says in his body, the idea is that he's suffering. He is enduring suffering. Um, We also understand from the scriptures that uh, several of those uh, persecutions that he experienced were severe and uh, probably uh, some of them left permanent scars in his body, which were evidence of his commitment to Christ and the, uh, the uh, demonstration of his faith and his willingness to suffer for Jesus Christ. Um, and he says here, this is caring about the death of Jesus Christ. So this is not meaning the fact that he died on the cross, but I believe this is his suffering. He's suffering in a way similar to what our Lord Jesus suffered in his three years of earthly ministry. He was persecuted. He was ridiculed. uh, Eventually, he was uh, beaten and killed, but he also endured a lot of other persecution leading up to his death. And I believe that's what Paul's talking about here. But he says, in spite of that, in spite of all the persecution, in spite of all the difficulty that he's faced, the result of that is it's showing the life of Christ. He is demonstrating by his life and what he's enduring, the eternal life that they have. If it was all about the present life, why would somebody go through all of that beating and suffering, right? If it's all about live for today and enjoy things now, why would somebody be so foolish to go through all that torture and difficulty? Well, his enduring all of those things demonstrated that he is living for Christ. He has eternity to look forward to. And ultimately, his message is that the world is coming under judge, is under judgment, and judgment is coming, and that people need to trust Christ and have eternal life in him. And all of this suffering reinforces the message that he is sharing. 
And then he expands on it by talking about again in verse 11 where he says, For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. He's talking about those of us who are living, those of us who have come to know Christ, those of us who have eternal life. And we, those who are living, that is spiritually alive, are delivered over to death here, he says. Delivered over to death, or handed over to death. Again, the idea is he's in many life-threatening situations, and yet this is by design. This is God's intention for his life. It's not by accident. He was constantly experiencing persecution and hardships as an apostle carrying this precious message. But yet, we, though maybe not as extreme as what he went through, will also face hardship and trials and difficulties. And this is part of God's design for your life. Have you faced something recently where... It does not make sense. It's confusing. It's scary. It's difficult. There are no accidents with God. God brings hardship and difficulties in our lives. It brings growth in our lives, as we've talked about in other passages. But it also might be a mean through which his power is going to be displayed in your life. Perhaps it wasn't recently. Perhaps it was longer ago. Have you had people come up to you and say, I watched you go through that, and the way you stayed loyal to God and you continued to believe and trust in him was amazing. Have you heard things like that? God often uses situations in our lives to display his power so that it's an opportunity for us to share the gospel with others. So when we're going through something that doesn't make sense, we need to trust that our God knows better. And yes, it might be to bring growth in our lives, but it could also be so that the message of the gospel can be communicated. We remember that is commonly how God works. God uses hard things and it's not by accident. It's for his purpose so that he would get glory. So his power would be shown. But we also see the product here as we look at verse 12. What's the result of all this? What's the product? He says here in verse 12 and talking about the Corinthians and him and his team. He says, so death works in us but life in you. So Paul has already made it clear. He and his team, they are suffering servants. The idea is they're constantly given over to death. And this isn't a surprise if we understand the scriptures because Jesus talked about how if they've treated the master this way, they're going to treat his disciples this way too. He warned the apostles Uh, right before the end uh, where he went to the cross there, that that would happen. So we understand, according to the scripture, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. 
But he says here, ultimately, the result, in spite of that suffering, in spite of that persecution, it results in salvation for the audience, salvation of the hearers, those that receive the message. He says, so death works in us, but life in you. The product, the result of all this is that ultimately people are converted to Christ. The result is the recipients hear the word of God and believe and have eternal life. So are we willing to be vessels, just clay vessels, clay, clay pots, jars of clay, basic containers, uh, that God's message would be shown through us, that the life of Jesus Christ would be shown through us? Are we willing to endure suffering and hardship so that God would get the glory, that his power would be seen. Certainly the Apostle Paul was an extreme case. But if he could endure all those things, certainly we can endure much lesser things, right? We need to be willing to allow God to work through us and use us for his good purposes so that the gospel will be seen and demonstrated to those around us. That doesn't mean that we just silently sit back and live out our lives. We need to be consistent in our testimonies, but we need to also share, right? We need to share the gospel. But we need to remember that ultimately we're just containers. We are messengers. We're the ones through whom the message is coming. So we're close to lunch here, so I thought I'd give you some illustrations, but I saved them till the end. So as not to make you too hungry too early. Look at some uh, good food choices here, right? Uh, oh, the, it's too dark. I don't think you can see really well. But um, see, some food. Yeah, that, some kind of pie, right? So let me ask you. Did you memorize all the dishes that they were contained in? Now, maybe you're tuned into it because I've been talking about it, but... When we see food sitting at the table, are we typically thinking, wow, that is the loveliest container for that food? No, we're thinking about the food and how we can't wait to enjoy the food, right? We're the containers. It doesn't matter. We're the box. We're, we're, we're the outside. We're just the messengers, right? We're the, we're the channel through which the message of God is shared. We need to put ourselves in our proper place and understand we are lowly servants, and God's power is demonstrated in our weakness. Therefore, we should willingly rejoice at God's working in our lives to remind us of our weakness so that his power would be shown. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's not incredibly exciting in, in one sense to think about uh, the suffering and, and the difficulties and the hardships. But yet, by faith and understanding what you've said in your word, we are reminded that these things are tools and they're good because they accomplish your purpose. And by our suffering, by our hardships, that just shows your power better. And that's what we want, Father, ultimately. 
Please continue to give us grace to endure suffering. Please help us to be faithful also, though, when we go through suffering, trials, hardships, persecution, to not develop a victim's mentality and just cry about woe is me and how bad it is for us. Help us, Father, instead to use that as an opportunity to share our faith in you with others. Help us, Father, to have boldness in doing that. Help us to remember as we're going through these things that you have these kinds of purposes in mind often. Help us to trust you through it and help us to uh, embrace the opportunities to share our faith with others. And we pray, Father, that the result would be that we would see others, our, our family, our, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, come to know you because of your working in our lives and through us to share that message. What a joy that would be, Father. May we be able to rejoice often because of those things and, and how you used us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.